Who are you texting? I'm looking at food. Del Huerto Mexican Grill. Oh, yeah. You want that? I don't know. I mean, I'm not getting dinner. Wow. Welcome to the Why Aren't You Feeding Me podcast. Why, why are you feeding me? So hungry. I'm like, I'm like Mouse the Cat. Oh, Mouse. Ever hunger. All right, cell Never phones hungry. down. Here we go. Uh, I'm just I'm getting mine set up to remote control this. Oh, so. gotcha. Well, how come you didn't do that before? What's your name? Uh, my name's Andrew Grimm, and you are. I'm Ellen Cherry. Welcome to Why Aren't You Famous podcast, season four. Season four, episode six of season four. Wow, we're already up to episode six. That actually feels pretty good because I was feeling like maybe it wasn't. Am I peeking you out there? Go. Peter peeking you out there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm not talking any louder than I was during soundcheck. Yes, you are. Am you, I? You, you, there's more energy because <laughs> you know, you know, the pressure's on. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I'm amazed that we're already at episode six. I kind of felt like I was struggling to keep this going and now it feels like, wow, we're already. Oh, you were struggling to keep this going. I mean, you, uh, you alone were struggling. Okay. Well, it seemed like we, I mean, you we were carrying the weight of this entire podcast. No, we didn't come up with our topic until Christmas Eve. Right. Or Christmas Eve, Eve. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, anyway, so what is our topic today? Or our, how, how are you? <laughs> or, well, because our, it's it's been the end of a great year. Twenty twenty has been spectacular. We're in the final days of what people have been, you know, like what is the calendar to the Earth? Nothing. Right, right. The Earth is just like ugh, whatever. Anthropocene, my my butt. <laughs> what is the butt of the Earth? <sighs> I I have often asked that myself. So my point is, um, we are marking the end of a year. Although we, I think it's for me personally and biologically as an animal on the planet the winter solstice feels more like the end of the year the beginning of winter as we go into spring so the days have started to get longer Mm -hmm. but the calendar today is monday december 28th in the year of our pandemic 2020 and um in a couple of days people will be celebrating question mark (sighs) i have a feeling like uh I don't want to put too much pressure on 2021. You know, I, there's a lot of time doesn't care. Time doesn't feel any pressure. No, of course not. And and, and neither does the, neither, neither does COVID. Keep chatting. I can hear you. I have to take this tea bag out. It's deep and too long. It's deep and too long. I don't want it to be so strong. Keep of course. Going. Of course. Okay. So, so, pressure on so something I'm hoping that I will be able to kind of tag in on Facebook and maybe my website is that I want to, I need to put a copy of Roadhouse and um, and kind of do the timing thing. So if people start Roadhouse at like 10.35 p.m. Eastern time, right at the moment where Dalton rips out Darth Swayze's throat. Oh, yeah, right on the lake. Right. And so that'll be like 2021, like being or 2020 being killed. by So like 11.59. Right. So right there, like you can do happy new okay. year and everything starts over again. And I, uh, for the first time ever, I thought I would just create, thank you, mouse. I'll participate in that uh, madness. A, some sort of meme that would, you know, cause that was a big deal. Like three years ago, people were like, if you, if you start watching it this time as, at right at midnight, it'll be like, you oh, know, I didn't the know Phil that. Collins. Like if you listen to in the air tonight, 
Um, and he started at a certain time right at do 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 is right it's at New Year's. Midnight. Yeah, midnight. Yeah. <laughs> I think, okay, so let's do the Roadhouse thing. I'll, I'll watch that on New Year's Eve. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be a fun little jaunt. You know, well, and I was trying to think like, well, which, which part would be best suited for the entrance of, of 2021? And it's like, okay, well, it's when like, you know, Dalton and Doc, you know, finally consummate the relationship or. Oh, yeah. These arms of mine. You know. Uh, oh, Otis Redding. I'm not doing you justice. He was so lucky to be included in Roadhouse. <laughs> you know. Two white people making love. Making love out of nothing in a barn. at all. Speaking of white people, making love out of nothing at all. Ooh, cat drama. <laughs> cat drama happening on the printer. Yeah. No wonder your printer doesn't work anymore. No, my printer works fine. It just didn't have ink. <laughs> and now, what I really like, we have all this dead air on the podcast while Mouse, <laughs> watch. While Mouse is going after Moz. Like, Moz has turned into a big side of ham. Moz has had a pretty good year. Maz said, man, Maz scored big. Yeah, this is, she's now been a resident from the, she's been in this halfway home that you're providing for, for cats. Year, for a year and a half. For a year and a half. Yeah. Um. Okay, cool. So. So that's, that's my idea. I like this idea of yeah. ringing in the new year by ripping out Darth Swayze's throat and leaving him for dead in the water. That's right. Darth Swayze. The, the evil, the, the evil Swayze. Patrick Swayze, may he rest in peace. <laughs> I see everything's going to be a song today. <gasps> Why not? Why not? Why not? So uh, now the um, then you, I think you asked me about like, was it my inspiration or what? Well, well that's what the topic is for today. Yeah, the topic is inspiration. The topic is inspiration. An inspired choice. It is, thank you. You know, it's so, so funny how people get inspired with last minute procrastinated points of <laughs> like. Did uh, you write yours today or yesterday? <laughs> uh, I started it yesterday, but I, I finished it today. Nice. Yeah, I kind of had an idea what, what I was going to write. I had no idea until eight o'clock last night and I was just like, I better get this done. We're recording today. Mm. So I, um, yeah, I, I, I'm. I wrote it and recorded it right away, so I didn't really have time to edit or edit it, edit it or mm -hmm. think about it too much. Right on. Well, you don't want to you don't want to overthink it. Right. You know. Why did we choose inspiration? Um, I think we, we were originally <laughs> originally we were talking about you know the year of the pandemic, and I think we're, a lot of that it hasn't even been a year yet. The the year we are on for the pandemic. Right. Um. And we were talking about the different types of like things that have affected, like, you know, feeling inspired to do something or, you know, live performances and talking about audiences and how the pandemic has kind of changed or maybe not changed, but how it may have affected our view on certain things. Mm -hmm. um, and the great reset. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's a great reset. It's, you know, it's changing. I mean, you're quitting music forever. <laughs> yes. I'm here to announce on our tiny little podcast, no offense to the podcast or you, or it's, our yeah. three listeners, hey, Max, hey, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, dudes? Um, that I'm not, um, I'm contemplating, I'm changing my relationship with live performance for a while. Mm. And I think it's because, I mean, this may be the next topic that we should talk about. Oh. That maybe that's the topic for next week, which we can talk about as soon as this is over. Okay. But then the next one we post will be at the beginning of 2021. Right. 
and my um yeah I've, i have some feelings about live performance and the way that it has um presented itself to me during the pandemic and and what i envision going in the future but i think that's for another podcast that's a whole topic in itself it is um but yeah inspiration has been it i think i didn't address this in my essay at all in any way but part of it has been that like it's been hard to just not be wanting to be in a state of complete distraction right i'm closing the microphone box so that it doesn't get a cat hair in it yeah um, idea. that like the the need to be distracted and also okay so my need to be distracted from the news but using news as a distraction mm-hmm. and how detrimental i realized that is to my mental health and how unproductive it feels for me to be that informed um did you just sneeze is that a little cat sneeze kazoo tight uh for podcast listeners um one two and three uh maz is on the table yes and being very being very cute she is being very cute until, hi, until she turns on you hi mozzy i can sense your sociopathic tendencies mm-hmm. so talking about inspiration was very you know like i th- we talked about this before um you came out of the gate in april yeah. being very inspired by rage and anger mm-hmm and it resulted in something really productive. And I think that I was probably the first month of the pandemic in March of 2020, um, inspired by numbness mm-hmm. and feeling just completely disconnected in a way and also missing, like really, really, really sad about the lack of touch, which I'm still sad about because like a lot of people, my, um, I I'm a person who would frequently hug strangers and friends alike and it's one of the most painful things I think about seeing people in social distance is that it's great to to be in the presence of people but it is a complete reminder that there is a very essential element missing so I saw two friends on Saturday who are awesome musicians, um, Beggar's Ride, Kate and Claudia, and we sat outside their house in the cold. And to not hug them was painful and made me feel glad to see them, but at the same time, it's also kind of like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to get together with people because I'm being reminded that I can't touch anybody and be touched. And um, I don't like that. So I, that's, I was feeling that I'm feeling it a lot more recently and I felt it very keenly in the first six weeks of the pandemic. And once I got through that a little bit is when I realized, okay, I want to participate and created the Wednesday show that we talked about in the last podcast, right? which is now coming to an end. One song at a time. One song at a time. That's right. So I looked for inspiration externally mm-hmm. and then my essay is about where I really think I find it. Right, right. So you'll just have to wait to listen to it. Okay. Fair enough. Or should we listen to yours first? I think we listened to mine first last time. Sure, we can listen to mine. Okay. I'm excited to hear what I said last night. Right, right on. I only listened to it like twice. So. Oh boy. Well, it's going to be something special and magical. It's going to be great. 
<laughs> okay, well, here we go. In recovery language, I have learned that it's okay to look into the past for answers, but it's best not to stare. As an almost professional level ruminator with over 40 years experience now, I find this especially challenging. To boot, I have an actual Bachelor of Arts degree in history from an accredited college where I trained to not just look at the past, but to study it, to dissect it, to consider the thoughts and actions of people I didn't even know, all for the purpose of understanding it, I guess, so I could one day transition from an historian to a futurist and help us to stop repeating the dumb and mean and cruel shit we seem to do over and over. Long before I studied histories, I started writing a version of my own. I began a personal diary when I was around the age of seven, writing first to God, and then later, having not heard any satisfactory answers, writing to myself, for myself, about myself. I also wrote about other people and events that were happening in my own little world. The language of my descriptions evolved along with my handwriting because for most of the last 38 years of diary keeping, I have written it by hand. I took a short break in 2004 and tried to type it because my mind always moves much faster than my hand, and also because someone had read my diary and I felt betrayed. Typing felt like a way to renew my relationship with the diary, and I was tired of spending time staring at pages trying to decipher my own wretched scribbles. It didn't work because it just meant more time looking at a computer, something I disliked already way back almost 17 years ago when I was doing that much less than I do now. So I went back to handwriting my thoughts, emotions, fears, failures, hopes, dreams, actual dreams, gossip, worries, current events, and even sometimes the weather and clothes I was wearing. I am still writing in it almost every day, although it's been difficult during this pandemic because I turn to a new page every morning and feel as though I'm writing some version of slept okay, ate some food, took a walk, the president still hasn't conceded the election, thousands are dying of a terrible virus, tried to write something or create, played some guitar, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. I know that I'll eventually look back at these pages and remember that they do not include all the wonderful peaks and despairing valleys of emotion that I've felt since the beginning of this strange journey that humanity is on right now. I've had trouble capturing the violent thrill of this particular roller coaster because often there's no energy left for writing about it after I've stepped off the ride at the end of the day. I just want to be, and I suspect that there's a future self that may not want to remember these days in too great of detail. However, I am frequently grateful for the amount of detail that I recorded in some of the most painful and wonderful days that I've lived. I think this is because I have often been unable to describe in song or music or other art forms just how brilliant, beautiful, and sharply painful life has felt as I'm experiencing it. I have needed time and distance from things, from people, from events, from conversations. When I have been healthy or well or strong enough finally to dig back through the transcripts, I am able to see what I was feeling and understand the why of my actions or behaviors. I used to berate myself for being such a slow learner this way, 
but I don't do that anymore because my past is the place where I get my best stories and telling stories is what I've chosen to do with my time on this planet. My diary gives me perspective. I must stare deeply into it sometimes. It gives me evidence that I might be able to avoid doing dumb or mean or cruel things over and over again. But really, I don't just stare at my past. I traverse it and make repeated journeys across it. I find myself there, in those pages, and eventually, I realize I have something to sing about. Living in the past. Ain't going nowhere. <laughs> That's a really good essay. Thanks. Yeah, you're looking back in that diary, man. Mining, mining. You were going back to the, the Ellen Cherry mines. Right. And, and digging out some coal, trying to find some diamonds. Right. I found it very inspiring. Yeah. On For several reasons. I think I find it inspiring because I realize that I've made progress in some ways. Mm-hmm. I identify the places that I want to make more progress. But also, it gives me like a rich character study in which to like make songs or art or like it's a cor- a college course sure <laughs> a study of myself <laughs> well I was losing words sorry didn't, didn't you put out a, a primer already <laughs> <laughs> oh the ellen cherry primer yeah i got a copy of that right over there on my, on my shelf right um well i think it's really important to be to be it, it would be pretentious, maybe pretentious to say like, oh, I'm inspired by my past, but the, but the past is a is a, a a rich treasure trove of important things, and like, and I I didn't say this necessarily in in my essay as much, but I, I was planning on talking about it anyhow, but we can talk about it with yours because it's like, you know, when you think about your recovering Eurydice project, which is you know, based on your recovery from the car wreck in 2013, then you start looking at your, you start looking at your other songs and you start thinking, ah, the, the shit I thought was really important right? <laughs> before this other thing happened. And that's how I felt about like the pandemic. Like I was listening to like, I mean, the songs that I was writing at the beginning of the pandemic were like, you know, yeah, I was directly reacting to what was going on. But I was like, I look back at my, my earlier stuff and I was like, Oh yeah, that's just not important. <laughs> I mean, it was important at the time, I guess, but right. but now it's I don't know, now it's life or death <laughs> type of thing. So, I think that's it's a really great way of of thinking about inspiration is looking into you know, the things that have a, you know, the, as Peter Gabriel says, digging in the dirt to find the places we got hurt, right. you know. That's one of my favorite songs. That's yeah, such a good song. Whatever happened to him? I don't know. I mean, like, I hope he has a career. I hope he does well because he's he's got a lot of talent. Yeah. You know, musically, lyrically, production wise, I think he's just going to go some places. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was right on the edge too of like the breakthrough. He was almost, he was like, I feel like he should be more famous. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he should hook up with Paula Cole. Oh yeah. Do, 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 do. Where have all the cowboys gone? Is that her song? And you get me ready in your '57 Chevy. Whoa, that's well, women, women, it's a power to women, right? Yeah. Yes. So when we talked about the word inspiration, which we these topics were leaving sort of wide open mm-hmm. this season again, wide open space, wide open inspirations. Oh, mm. take that, chicks. <laughs> the chicks. Um, 
yeah, I wanted to really think about where I, it's not that I felt defensive about it. I think that I was reassuring myself that finding inspiration in my own past is worthwhile for several reasons. And I've talked about this before in my own songwriting history that I would do character studies. I've been doing that for 25 years in songs, like using the voice of other people in my songs when half of the, what they're talking about is my own experience and I'm just using it as a shield. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really where I've been thinking deeply about moving forward into the next year is that I want to remove that filter from my own writing Mm -hmm. and actually strip down to something what would feels even more authentic to what I'm talking about. Right. More confessional. Sure. Being honest in confession and not like winking and saying like, Oh, this is about me, but it's really about this other lady. Right. Wink, wink, nod, <laughs> wink, nod. wink, nod, nod. Mm-hmm. Actually saying, no, I'm going to own my behavior. I'm going to own my actions. I'm going to own the, this feeling or expression. Well, on, on the behalf of everybody, I'd like to say, Finally, finally, of finally, course, you're doing that. Of course, the way that I'm thinking about it, because I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks, is like, am I just the the character that I've been following on this journey for the last eight years? Is the Greek myth about Eurydice, and am I just putting myself into the skin of another woman? Well, Ooh, a, that sounds like fucking serial killer right yeah, there. <laughs> you know, I, 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 at first I was going to say postmodernism, but then I was like, no, maybe sociopathy. <laughs> right. You know. Hmm. Is it sociopathy or sociopathy? Uh, probably sociopathy, I guess. I don't know. I always get confused with the word empathetic or empathic. Well, I think that's two different. Empathetic and empathic are two different forms of empathy. If you're empathic, it means that you actually are able to engage empathy. You are feeling the pain of somebody else. You are an empath that what they feel is you feel. Um, empathetic is you're able to relate in empathy. Isn't that more about sympathetic? Well, sympathetic means that you feel sorry for somebody, but you're not necessarily feeling their pain. But you just said that the empath feels the pain. The empath does. But if you're empathetic, I think you're closer to feeling that pain, like be able to put yourselves in their shoes. I could be completely wrong. I don't. I think an empath is just something invented by Joss Whedon. Uh, it'd be long before that would be Gene Roddenberry. Oh, Gene. Because in the original Star Star Trek series, they had the episode, The Empath. Oh, that's right. I should know that because Star Trek is superior to Star Wars. Well, maybe. But it is. Anyway. Well, whatever. There's no debate. Okay. Let's get to your essay. Okay. Let's listen to some Andrew Grimm's musings mm. about what inspires him. Yes, I was I was rightly inspired by this essay about inspiration. <laughs> so, all right, here we go. Inspiration. There's a pretty tired out myth about how songwriters write their songs. That there was some sort of cosmic conjunction. The heavens split wide open and they became the vessel of pure artistic truth, entrusted with the solemn spiritual duty of delivering a message to humanity. From whispered words of gods to the ears of the chosen, a true mystery beyond all that we can understand. A divine inspiration. 
Yeah, I guess that's how it goes. Or maybe not. Not for me, at least. Inspiration filters through three conduits. Experience, observation, and aspiration. Aspiration, being the simplest form of inspiration, is the first real electric shock to try something. You see someone doing something really great and you think to yourself, why not me? When I was 11, I saw a documentary on the making of Star Wars. I was completely transfixed on how these people created the planets, the X-Wing fighters, the strange aliens, the sounds of lasers blasting away. I thought, I too could be a filmmaker. I read a couple of books about making movies. I saved up money and bought a Chin-On Super 8 camera and projector and set about making films. This phase of my life lasted for about two years with little success. I didn't know about creating a narrative. I didn't know about lighting, editing. I had all the gear and none of the talent. After watching some creature double feature films, I tried my hand at stop animation but I hadn't realized how long that actually took to create a two-minute sequence of my Robotech model walking across the floor, and my aspirations were much greater than my patience. It wasn't too soon after that I left filmmaking to the filmmakers, and I picked up a guitar. Music was different because my aspirations with music were completely different from the filmmaking. I was really interested in playing chords and rhythms, stuff I had been hearing from some of the records I had been listening to. I wasn't inspired to be the people making the music or even writing music, even though I was already writing songs early on, inspired by Weird Al Yankovic's parody of Beat It. My 13-year-old self thought, that looks like fun, I'd like to try that. So with my best friend Jeff Marzen, we formed the Metal Cicadas and set to record two albums worth of parody songs. The Metal Cicadas' greatest hits and the Metal Cicadas just humming around featured hit tunes like Sidney Wang's Serenade, New Wave Mulligan Stew, and the XTC parody of Dear God titled Dear Ron, an explosive political tirade against then-President Ronald Reagan, where I actually sing, Your Reaganomics is always letting us down. Pretty ambitious for a 14-year-old who knew very little, but I was inspired by Weird Al and what I was observing in the news and then just trying to be funny, maybe a little serious. Eh, now that I'm thinking about it, it wasn't just a parody, but maybe it was closer to Horatian satire. Hmm, not too shabby for 1986. But that's the thing about observation and inspiration. You read about something that happened to someone, you engage your sense of imagination, put yourself into their shoes and think, well, what does that feel like or what would I do? So when I was writing my epic takedown of President Reagan, I was really just reacting to what I had been hearing on the evening news and how the economy was good for some, but tough for other people. Did I really know what was going on? Probably not. But I chose a topic and started playing with language, a la Weird Al, and produced Dear Ron, and my wry take on the Doors Spanish Caravan, Dodge Caravan. Mmm, good stuff. At that time, my inspiration was limited by my lack of ability and experience. I hadn't experienced much in the world, and I wasn't interested in crossing the line between youthful dalliance and artistic endeavor. It wouldn't be for another 10 or 12 years until I made that switch. 
It was in that in-between time that I started reading books and poetry. I started listening to music with intensity, internalizing lyrics that I could relate to because I was suddenly aware of the world around me, that I was in it, living it, and watching it through the filter of the hormonal imbalance of awkward teenage restlessness most of us experience. That's where most of my inspiration comes from, experience. I've seen a lot, done a bunch, and I have the mileage to prove it. I can't say experience begets wisdom. That happens later when I make a good decision based on past failures. But I can say that looking back on my experiences, I can see patterns emerging, converging, separating, and all of these moments are inspirational to me. My experience inspires me to write a song, play that song, and to communicate with anyone willing to listen. There's no mystic, magical ray of light bestowing literary clairvoyance on me. It's a simple matter of engaging with my past, drawing on a lifetime of experience and practical language and music skills, then sharing them with another human being without any other aspiration than to just share from one human being to another. I received a note on my MySpace page around 2002 or 2003. A guy had been driving a three-hour route back and forth from his mother's house. She was dying from cancer. And he simply wrote, Your record got me through that drive for three months, and I wanted to thank you for that. I wrote him back and thanked him for the kind words and wished him well. I didn't know how to feel. I mean, I felt super jazzed that someone in Florida had listened to the record. But then, to know that something that I had written so positively affected someone I would never meet, let me know that I was moving in the right direction. I then felt inspired to work harder on my writing, that words, my words, mattered. And they weren't handed to me by some universal being blessing me with talent. They were the result of hard work borne by aspiration, observation, and experience. We need to make sure that we don't wear the same outfit at the beginning and ends of our essays. I know. Right? How embarrassing. Oh, my God. The little Celeste sounds. <laughs> twinkle, twinkle. Twinkle sounds at the beginning. Nice. Thank you. That was a, um, a pretty deep dive into inspiration, execution, aspiration. What was the middle one? <laughs> Uh, it was um, you killed it ex- experience observation and aspiration experience observation and aspiration yeah so those are the um flour eggs and milk that you put into they bake into your songs yeah and, I, and I, I when i first started writing the essay i was looking at aspiration as being i, I instead of, I, I said on the essay it's the simplest but to me it's also the lowest it's like the most ego driven I have aspirations of something greater than what I am, right. which I'm, that's not bad necessarily, but that's not the reason why you should do something. You should, you should do something because you love to do it and because, you know, or you need money. Well, of course. Yes. Um, and, and I just, you know, I felt, and after a while I was like, well, maybe it's just more like the simplest because aspirations can only get you so far. It's kind of like the jump start into stuff. Right. You know, so. That aspiration is the thing you talk to your wall. Right. But it's not necessarily like the the sit-ups. <laughs> it is not the sit-ups. The sit-ups are the, are the experience. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I hate this. Oh, God, stop. 
why does this have to be so difficult? It's not difficult. Just do 10 a day. Okay. Then do 20. Whatever. You do 10 a day. I have been. <laughs> Working on my three pack. <laughs> cool. Cool. <laughs> Sweet. Because that's the thing about sit-ups. If you only do sit-ups, it's only the top part that gets tight. You got to lift the bottom up like Pilates style to get anything happening below your navel. Anyway. <laughs> Remember uh, that, folks. That's right. You heard it here. Fitness advice from a swimmer. Yeah. <laughs> it's not doing anything fast. Um, great essay. Thanks. It was, um, that we traversed a lot of landscape there because we went back to 1986. We met yeah. you in junior high. Yeah. Um, I love the parody, the idea of being inspired by somebody who's inspired by other people. Right. Um, you and I both grew up in Al Yankovic's like <laughs> ascendancy and heyday in, although he is still incredibly relevant right. and has one of, is one of those artists that just figured something out that was both incredibly artistic, intuitive, insightful, humorous, um, relevant, and manages to keep it going. Right. Like, and he's also an actor. Like you'll see him and stuff and you're just like, wait, is that Riddell Yankovic there? Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. He's just an incredible performer. Um, there's, I mean, what a worthy poster to tack to your wall right and for you and um his name just flew out of my head james marsden uh, uh um jeff jeff marsden Mar marsden not marsden marsden sorry jeff i've met you and um i think i think I've yeah met, you uh, met jeff um i apologize for butchering both your names that's okay um but the metal cicadas oh yeah and what was the second album title uh it's just humming around just humming that was around. a live one that was a live record I have it right here. I have. Um, so you have the tapes of them. Oh yeah. And yeah. you listen to them. Yeah, he he, um, he came over, uh, kind of like like two months ago or something like that, and we were just we. I I knew I had the tape and I found it and. Uh, have you listened to it? Uh, we listened to the first side, and it's it's pretty hysterical. Uh, like I had no I like I had forgotten all about Dear Ron, and when I saw it on the on the thing, I was like, oh yeah, that's uh, that was like because I was I just learned XTC's Dear God, it's great guitar. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't I couldn't play it like that, but because I was I didn't know what I was doing, but uh, but yeah, I was like we listened to it and whatever inside jokes we had, they're all on there, right? And it's just it's just really funny. But I had no. It is like an audio diary. It is. I had no idea that I, I like the the way Dear Ron like actually ha happens. Dear Ron, da, 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 it's so da, da, funny. Da, da, like da, 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 da. it's um. It's one of those things where you like. I didn't realize how how close I, closely I was following that stuff, right? And I was, and you know, we, we both listened and we just laughed for about 30 minutes because that's how long the tape is uh, of just the, the depth, I guess I was going at, you know, 14 years old. Well, you were, you were using imitation yeah, yeah, yeah. to, um, which I think is the thing that any classical musician would understand. I mean, listen to Billy Joel, one of my favorite musicians in the world. He's so great. You know, it's for you. That's not how that song goes. Um, mm -hmm. Being inspired by, I believe, Beethoven um, and listening to classical influences of in other musicians where 
I don't even remember where I was going because I keep watching the word scroll on your computer. Oh, sorry. The vocabulary words that are scrolling across. Now well, we're at ruckus. Don't don't frump about it. Monomania. <laughs> don't frump about it. Dear listeners, frump just came up before we were listening to Andrew's essay and it said, an unattractive woman in disheveled clothes. Is that <laughs> right, what? something like that. And I was just like, um, and then you said, I was like, men can be frumps. <laughs> and your mother said. My mother used to say, don't, don't frump so much, uh bird's going to come down and land on your lower lip. So just picture that. Just picture Andrew with his full beard and long hair at the (laughs) age of eight with his little bottom lip, bottom lip frumping out and a bird landing on it. Anyway, um, the idea of using imitation where we, we all as artists start by imitating painters do it. Dancers do it because that's how you learn. You learn the motion. You are, um, you learn the chord, you learn, I mean, it's changed because of YouTube. Back when I was learning how to play guitar, you just had to kind of like listen to a song a thousand times and nobody had written out the tab and there was no video of somebody saying like, put your finger here, put your finger here, play this, this, and this order. The magic chord chart at the back of the Mel Bay book. Right. You were like figuring stuff out by listening to it a bajillion times, Um, but you were imitating and which I think actually leads to that moment between imitation and aspiration is where inspiration sort of strikes Mm. or seems to blossom maybe to use a mixed metaphor. That's what I felt like your essay was telling me. And also just making us think about again, the inferiority of star Wars, but um, (laughs) I appreciate being reminded of that. Has nothing to do with that. Pew, 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 pew. That's right. I mean, speaking of star Wars, um, you and I have been watching The Mandalorian. That's right. And um, I decided that there are so many fight scenes with pew, 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 that I was just like, let's make it sound like cats. Meow, meow. Meow, meow, meow. Meow, 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 meow. That's how it goes, you know. And and the cats agree. <laughs> right. I think we killed it on our inspiration essays. Yeah. No, I've, I feel completely inspired. <laughs> Do you? Well, sort of. I mean, like, I got the... I mean, I, I guess, I guess, I feel inspired by right now. It's like it was, I was inspired by routine, right? Because <laughs> that's and that's the only thing that was getting me going. Doesn't it make you also re- remember Burr Settles in the beginning of February album writing month, yeah. where he would quote Jack London yeah. and said, "You cannot wait for inspiration." Sometimes to, you got to go out with a club and drag it back to your house, or yeah. I don't know what the quote is of mangling it, but yeah. but yeah, the idea of going out and seeking out inspiration rather than waiting for it to arrive, um, which is how I generally think that my muse is just going to appear. Right. How are we doing on time? Is it time to, we've already passed the song, so. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I can't tell on this, but I mean, we can wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Okay. Well, we didn't do this at the top of the, oh, uh, I forgot. Top of the podcast, but let's just ask ourselves now. So, you know, now that you are finished with show business. <laughs> That's right. And I want to get caught up on your back catalog or, you know. I'm I, considering I, accountancy. I just want to see like what I missed. Or maybe marine biologist. Mm. Maybe I'll become a marine biologist. Isn't that what every person says? They're like, what do I want to do when I grow up? Yeah, because they probably vision themselves on a boat like saving like an otter. Right. It's it, There it is, Frump. An unattractive woman who wears dowdy old-fashioned clothes. Sweet. Well, we know who they're talking about. <laughs> Frump rhymes with. Oh, Trump. He is an unattractive woman. With he is. Un- he's very. Un- uh, he's. He's actually also a very unattractive man. His soul. His soul is for sure unattractive. Ooh, only if he had one. 
anyway, I don't want to talk about him. Right. Um, anyway, uh, I... Yeah, and I wanted to explore your back catalog because I missed out. I missed out somehow. Right. If you wanted to go explore some of the back catalog, and um, I think I'm, I have been inspired by you. I think I'm going to go ahead and just throw everything into the subscription service. Do it. Um, you can join my community and become an executive producer of everything that has happened so far and everything that's coming up in 2021 by going to ellencherry.bandcamp.com forward slash subscribe. Um, and that's where I'll be sending everyone to. I am going to be continuing to post, trying to do it as much as possible in 2021 with animations and videos. And, um, I have a big project coming up in February, which people will be supporting and they will have first access and free access to it. Cool. Everybody else got to pay a ticket. Got to pay a ticket, man. So what about you? Where are you lingering on the web? Where are you malingering? I'm malingering over at uh, junestar.bandcamp.com and you can forward slash on that and subscribe uh, for $5 a month. You get everything that my band has put out except for one crappy first record. Um, and then there's a couple But nothing by records. the metal cicadas. Nothing by the... Oh no, hell no. The, that's... No. no. That's for it's, private listening. That, is, that is not for public consumption. I hope, hope I get to hear it. Yeah. Maybe I, I I might share one or two things. I'm gonna digitize it so it's because the tape's gonna just. Gonna, I mean that tape that tape is literally from like 1986. Yay! And the fact that it still plays and it sounds pretty good. I mean I have to thank my parents for buying me the Panasonic tape recorder right for my birthday. It was like that red ugly one. Ugh, I hated that thing, but it worked. It did it did the job. Um, but yeah, all my stuff is on there, and there's a new June Star record that's set to come out on March 26th. So that'll go up there and uh, yeah, because we're not playing live anytime soon. Right. So that's where you can get all my stuff. Please, please, please make us both sustainable. For but, not, If you think about it combined for $9 a month, that's a, just a ton of content. It is. And in a way, they're also supporting this podcast. I might be inspired to write a, a song about my subscribers. Oh. Yep. Subscribers. <laughs> Delilah. <laughs> Delilah. She's the best. She is the best. There's so. a great New York Times article about her. Yeah, it was on the Daily. There's also a podcast, yeah, but there's also yeah. a Lickin article. Anyway, enough about Delilah. Right. Is, she, is she listening? Hello. Uh, yeah, is she subscribing? No. Maybe, we don't know. I should give, give her a call. Right. Um, it was lovely to see you. That's yeah, lovely to see you. And um, you're not a frump, and neither am I. Yay. Neither of us are frumpacious. That's right. From Belicious, maybe a little bit sometimes in the morning. Not me. Good for you. I always wake up with like a ray of sunshine and a smile on my face and just like ready to, I'm bright eyed and bushy tailed and ready to take on the world every single time. (laughs) Very different from the Ellen Cherry animal, which is like something's going on right now. Hacking and coughing. Hacking and coughing. It's not COVID, but. (laughs) It's not COVID. It's not COVID, Helen. Yeah, you I didn't catch it. I hope. Sweet. And I hope you haven't either, whoever's listening. Um, thank you for listening to All the Way to the End. Are we yep. going to, is there going to put some kind of disco crazy thing? I might. You never know. You have to listen to the podcast. Can't wait. All right. Um, all right. So till next time, which will be in the new year. That's right. In the new year of our pandemic. New year of our pandemic. We'll be ready to go. I'll see you then. All right. Bye. Bye. Ooh, disco, I like it.